This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. 30 seconds to air. What do you think about flowers for the show notes? Anyone have the promo for the show notes? Where's the Fiji water? Is this, this isn't, is this tap water? 15 seconds. Can somebody get the cat? I can't drink tap Grab water. Grab the cat. Can, can someone tell Joe's mom to stop vacuuming? It's not hard to find. Has anybody this seen feet. my hair gel? Tesian water. Natural. Quiet on the set. Live in three, two. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today I dropped my go-to-the-gym New Year's resolution. Good thing I was on that free trial. That might have been the smartest thing I've done all year. Probably the smartest thing I'll do for the rest of the year, too. What smart financial moves have you made? Today, we'll focus on all the smart money moves you should make in 2019. Joining us this week on our roundtable are two guests you know and love. From the Afford Anything podcast, please welcome Paula Pant. And from this here podcast, let's give a gentle, discreet, single golf clap to OG. And that's not all. In our Friday FinTech segment, how would you like it if your company had an easy system to pay your student loans and fund your 529 plans? We'll talk to David Chang, CEO of Gratify, on today's show. And don't worry, there'll still be time to answer a listener call for help and, yeah, you got it, my incredible trivia. And now, one guy who's still learning his new street address, Joe Salcihan. I think I'm finally starting to get the address here in Mom's slick new basement. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe Salcihan. I average Joe money on Twitter. Welcome to Friday. We have a condensed crew with us today, as you heard Doug so eloquently say. Let's start off in the desert where we'll say hello to our good friend, Paula Pant. How are you, Paula? I am excellent. I'm ready for the new year. I am so New Year's Eve. It's funny, we're 11 days in and I still feel like it's the new year. You over your hangover? I don't think that I'm, I'm ever over my hangover all 365 days a year. That is, I don't know nice. if that calls for a 12-step program or I, I won't <laughs> try to interpret that. And right across the card table from me, it's my good friend, the other guy, or as we call him, OG. What is happening we are Another Friday. ready. I love Fridays. A, I love hanging out with you two. Thank but, you. Uh, yep. But then two, I also uh, love the fact that it's the weekend coming up. We've got a great show today, but you know what is awesome about Friday? It's that this show is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare here at the beginning of 2019 is offering Stacky Benjamin's listeners two months 
of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. I've gone on and on and on about how much I love Skillshare. And uh, I am quickly, quickly learning a ton about photography. And I'm super excited because I really want to go in and learn about design, begin taking design classes as soon as I finish up this basic one, which should be in the next uh, day or two. I'll finish up this uh, introduction to DSLR cameras. Head to Skillshare.com slash SB. That's Skillshare.com slash SB to get your two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes to become better in 2019. I'm loving what we're talking about today. We're talking about all these great ways to make your financial 2019 even better. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Our piece today comes to us from Fox Business. Uh, This is written by Jake Scipione. I thought this would be neat to do because I thought, I don't know, Paula, if you read this, you thought that it was as general as I kind of did. Like, they're good, but I think that with the three of us, we can supersize these nine smart money moves to make in 2019 and take this fairly bland article off the internet and make it awesome for Stacking Benjamin's listeners. What do you think? I think we can totally do it. There are a lot of bland articles on the internet. This is not adding to the conversation. I bet we can say something wise and insightful. Somebody might actually learn something on the show. Shut up. Do not. It could happen. 2019 could be the year. (laughs) Maybe. Finally. I'll, I'll read the open. While 2018 was a good year for many with relevantly high consumer sentiment across the board, record high stock market gains, despite a few jitters along the way, especially jitters at the end of last year, you never know what a new year could bring, especially with talks of a possible recession looming, experts warn. J.P. Morgan Chase recently found the U.S. economy is a greater than 50-50 chance of tipping into a recession in the next two years, with the odds climbing to higher than 80% over the next three years. Whether you believe a recession's looming or not, many financial experts warn you should always be smart about your finances just in case. I love that. I know there's a recession coming, but you might want to be good with your finances just in case. Like, even if there isn't a recession coming, don't you want to have your finances in order? <laughs> Do you think that you think about it a little bit differently if you think that it's coming, though? Sure. No, I watch Game of Thrones. Winter's coming. I get that. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. Okay. Let's go through uh, Chris Whitlow, CEO of financial wellness ed, uh, provider Educate, says that the start of every year is a great time to reassess your financial plans. And he goes over some nine money moves. So let's supersize these. Number one, Paula, we'll start with you. Increase your 401k contribution. I love that one, but let's supersize it. What do we do on top of that? Well, on top of that, I would also increase your IRA contributions, whether it's Roth or traditional. And if you're eligible for an HSA, I would also be maxing that out because that's kind of the ultimate uh, extra retirement savings account. Bam. OG. I love it. I would also add to that to set a system in place that it automatically increases once or twice more throughout this year. Love that. Just very slowly keeps keeps going up and you don't even feel it. Paula, how often do you increase your savings every year or do you do lump sums? (laughs) I do lump sum. Yeah. Uh, and that's because I'm self-employed. My income is volatile. And so my cash flow is just all over the board. I never knew you were self-employed. That's amazing. Yeah. How yeah. Did, What's that like? You know? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. You know, I work, well, not exactly out of my mom's basement, but I can drink on the job. That is, that is a plus. Heard that. I love, I love, by the way, the fact I get halfway done answering you a question. I realize it's the dumbest question ever. <laughs> Paula, Paul, do you raise? Never mind. Yeah. I should have just stopped halfway through. Number two, create an emergency fund. OG, let's uh, supersize that. 
How do we make that advice better? You want to have an emergency fund, obviously. You want to make sure that it's full. I guess that would be like supersized a little bit. But then also you want to make sure that you're getting the best bang you can for your buck. There's tons of websites out there. We recommend Magnify Money, but you want to make sure that you're linking your checking and savings account. Make sure that you're getting good returns on your uh, on your cash. Interest rates are a little higher than they were this time a year ago. So if you haven't looked at it in a little while, you're probably leaving some money on the table. Paula, anything else we can do to supersize that one? What I would say is that if you run a business or you have a side hustle, create two separate emergency funds, one that's for yourself personally and one that covers your business expenses. That way, if your business income drops, you can keep running that business for a little while. You've got some runway there. Yeah, you and I on the Afford Anything podcast talked about your cash reserves recently, and you've got three different cash reserves. I do. I have one for my rental properties, one for Afford Anything, and then one for myself personally. Let's stick with you for number three. Check up on your investments. They talk about checking up. That sounds great. But Paula, how do you do that? What are you checking for? Well, make sure that you are in a efficient fund that has a low expense ratio. Make sure that your money is housed at a brokerage that has uh, that doesn't charge a lot of fees. And if you have rental properties, make sure that they are protected correctly, whether that means depending on your uh, situation, whether that means that they're in an LLC or just that they're titled correctly and, and they have the right amount of insurance. That's also a way of checking on your investments. Oh, gee, what else do you look for when you're checking up on your investments? A lot of times people look at the beginning of the year as a great time to rebalance. This would be the time that you're going to do it if you uh, haven't done it in a little while. A lot of volatility in the last part of the year. So there might be some overweights and underweights in your portfolio. So, so a little bit of uh, rebalancing is probably in order. Number four is live within within your means. Oh, gee, what, no. the, what are they talking about? Live within your I, means. I, I, I don't want to do this one. I just prefer to make more money <laughs> to make my means bigger. <laughs> that's that's a, when my mean when I can't live within my means, I make more means. Uh, that's what I tried to do. But uh, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day about this. The problem with debt, which is where most people get in trouble with living within your means, so to speak, is that it's very, very, very sneaky. I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago about this. When you borrow money for something, whether it's a vacation or a car or something like that, you do it in a silo and you forget the aggregate effect. You say, oh, well, I can have a little bit of credit card debt. That's $200 a month. I can have this student loan. That's $250 a month. And the cumulative effect on your cash flow makes it so that it's very, very, very difficult to save money and to, to live within your means. So part of this, I think, is work really hard in the first quarter here to accelerate your debt payoff. Love that. Uh, Paula, you are notorious for having kind of an anti-budget that helps you live within your means. I do. So the anti-budget is the concept that you decide how much you want to save. And when I say save, I mean anything that improves your net worth. So it could be investments, it could be accelerated uh, debt payoff, meaning additional payments towards the principal of a, of a debt. Uh, it could be, I mean, anything that improves your net worth is what I am referring to when I say save, right? So decide how much you want that to be, yank that off the top, and then whatever is left over is just your free-for-all. So my feeling is that you don't have to have an excruciatingly detailed line item budget. You don't need to to go so granular that you know exactly how much you're spending on groceries versus utilities. Because at the end of the day, as long as you're saving enough, that's the point. 
We had Michelle Kagan recently on the podcast, and she wrote the book, uh, Budgeting 101 for Simon & Schuster. And it was funny because during the interview, she said she budgets Paula like you do. And she's written- oh, nice. Yeah, but she's written, you know, 300 pages about how if you want to get granular, she goes, listen, getting granular is fine, but don't let, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good, right? If you want to get granular and you want to, and that floats your boat, fantastic. It's all in this book, but you know what? Know how you spend money, track your expenses just so you don't go over, but save first and then you don't really need to budget. Are you familiar with David Chilton, the wealthy barber, the Canadian guy? I know of him, but I know because he not, said not very well. Well, he was big back in the nineties and he always said budgets are baloney, save what you have to and scrap the budget. I mean, it just, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. So Paula, you come from a long line of anti-budgeters apparently. Oh, excellent. You don't I'm even glad know. To know. Yes. Uh, number five, don't ride stock market waves. Paula, this is one that I think a lot of people, especially now, with so much news about the recession. Uh, the recession. Yes. Start thinking, what should I do? What should I do? What do you think? Don't try to time the market because in a recession, things might drop 10%. But what if things rise 10% between now and when that happens? That recession might bring us back to where we are currently today. So just keep on keeping on. And the way that I like to do it is... This is sort of my like workaround whenever I'm tempted to time the market. If there is a big decline, then money that I otherwise would not have contributed is extra money that goes in when things get low, right? So yeah. I keep my normal contributions the way that I always do them. And then when uh, stocks go on sale or when numbers drop, then I take extra money that I otherwise would have just spent on cat food and shoes. And I, I put those into uh, additional investments as well. You don't eat cat food out of shoes, do you? That's not how you're saving money, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's ultra frugal. You just gave away your secret. <laughs> yes. I see oh, the Amazon shopping cart for, for Paula. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Oh, gee, I'm not going to come to you with this one because all people have to do is remember the last Fine. 97 episodes that you and I have talked about not not uh, oh. riding stock yeah. market ways. But there was one in here that I wasn't sure that we could do much with of the nine, and it's number six, check for cheaper prescriptions. And obviously, Big Pharma's making tons of money off us, but, oh, gee, got any tips on checking for cheaper prescriptions? Well, I really do. It reminds me of this time that my son was having some dermatology problems when he was a baby. Turns out he has a really severe peanut allergy, but we didn't know that when, when he was a baby. He had just really terrible skin. So the dermatologist says, hey, you got to put this lotion on him three times a day. And here's this little two ounce bottle. And I said, well, how much is the bottle? And he said, it's $180 a bottle. And I'm going to write you a prescription for 12 of them. And I went, not today. You're not going <laughs> to, you need to think of a new plan because I love my kid, but I can't, I, I mean, I just physically at the time, there was no way I was going to write a check for $2,500 wow. for 12 weeks worth of prescriptions. And, and, and like on a dime, he said, oh, well, there's this cheaper alternative I could use. And I'm going, <laughs> so number one, if you have a prescription, you should always ask your physician whether or not there's an alternative that you could use that's a little bit less expensive, generic brand or something like that. The other thing that is happening quite a bit now is most of these prescription places are going online. So you can bulk order your prescriptions. If you have, you know, blood pressure medicine, you got to take the same pill every day for the next 55 years. 
just get three months of it at the same time and you can save a little bit of money by having it auto delivered. So there's a little bit of ways. And then the other third thing that I have is discount clubs, Sam's and Costco are notorious for having uh, inexpensive prescriptions. Paul, you got anything over that? Wow, that was excellent. I've got nothing else to I, add to that. Yes, I didn't have got excellent. I didn't have any of those three. That was some good stuff. What's up with that, OG? I'm bringing it in 2019. <laughs> yeah. I think 2019 is the year, Paula. You're right. 2019. Is. This is the year. This is the year people learn stuff. Well, let's stick with you then, Paul, for number seven. Avoid buying gas guzzling cars. Let's do some car advice, though. Car advice from Paula. All right. Number one. If you buy a car that is four or five years old, Paula will refer to that as a brand new car because that is the newest car that anyone should ever buy. If that's a little too Paris Hilton for your taste, then opt for a car that's eight, nine, ten years old. <laughs> that's too Paris It's a little too Paris Hilton. I love it. You got three quarters of our audience going, are you kidding me? Four or five, and then you said two Paris. That's pretty good. Tip number two. Uh, and this is going to sound like a small thing, but it actually it makes a big difference. Keep your tires properly inflated because that's how you get the most out of your mileage. What I found is that OG rotates the air in his tires once a quarter to make sure that they're properly aired. Well, I take it into a specialty dealership. It's a great deal. It's like a monthly subscription. He only charges me 400 a month <laughs> to replace the blinker fluid and to rotate the air in the tires. Works, so. works fantastic. Uh, OG, any other uh, car tips? Well, I love this. Avoid buying gas guzzling cars. I mean, that just kind of in today's day and age with technology the way it is, I, I can't imagine why anybody would purposefully buy a vehicle that gets 15 miles to the gallon when the one right next to it, whether it's a five-year-old vehicle or two-year-old vehicle. Maybe I'm more Paris Hilton. I would be more like the two-year range. I got to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when they're side by side and you say, well, this one gets 30 miles to the gallon and this one gets 15, you know, that's pretty obvious. But The exception, of course, is if you need to tow something. Says me as a brand new camper owner. Not actually not a brand new one, but a one year. Apollo brand new. Yeah, Apollo. Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton quality. <laughs> I thought you were talking yeah. about your eight-year-old car getting towed already. I'm like, whoa. No, you just no, got no. the car. So, uh, so when I bought a camper, I realized I couldn't tow a camper with a Honda Civic. So, so then I had to get a gas guzzler. Got a <laughs> Nissan Pathfinder. And then it becomes a lifestyle issue. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, number eight, uh, shop around for insurance. So, gee, let's stick with you. Uh, it says to shop around, but how do we shop around? Is there an efficient way? Well, I think this is just a little bit of legwork. You know, kind of pick some big providers. And just check your rates against it. If you have an insurance agent, by the way, you have to ask if you're getting the best deal. This is no different than, you know, your cable bill, or your cell phone bill, or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of times where things change in your life or change in underwriting standards, and they don't necessarily give you those changes up front. So, you know, ask them, say, hey, am I, am I in the best program for where we are right now from a risk management standpoint? While you're shopping, by the way, on uh, my uh, Money in the Morning show that's uh, sponsored by Lemonade, the thing I like about Lemonade is that it takes 90 seconds. It's just stackybenjamins.com forward slash Lemonade, and bam, you can add that to the list. So, But I love the idea of a place like Progressive, as an example, where you can shop lots of different places at once. You know, I can, I can look at a lot of... And it, it shouldn't take that long. 
And it's funny because they say, what, shop every couple of years? I actually sat mm-hmm. down with an Allstate agent back when I was a financial planner, and he told me the reason you shop every other year has nothing to do with the insurance company. It has to do with you aging. So let's say that yeah. you, you have, I remember when Paula was celebrating a few years ago, a milestone birthday, and then I tried to have uh, breakfast with her like after she <laughs> stayed out all night. That was, that was pretty ugly. I had a great time. Paula doesn't remember it, but anyway, uh, I think I, I hadn't, I think I got back to my hotel room at like six in the morning and I saw a text from Joe and he's like, are we still meeting for breakfast? And I'm like, Oh, breakfast is in two hours. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. You should have you you said sure. no. You should have said no. But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, not that I remember oh, that. Enjoyed it. Yeah. That's been what? Five years. Not that I remember yeah, it five, or anything. Five years later, you're, you're still enjoying the memory of that's it. That's right. I'm still coping with Paula, <laughs> not remembering our best breakfast ever, but whatever. The, the, but when you have those milestone birthdays, they're different insurance agencies. You get, you, you become in their wheelhouse. So let's say state farm, maybe you weren't in their wheelhouse and now because you had a birthday, now you are and your rate significantly drops with them. So before where they might not have been great for you, now they are fantastic for you. So it's not about the insurance company changing that you do it every couple of years, which is, by the way, makes it easier for me to take the time to go shop. Because before I knew that, I was like, nothing's changed for me. Yeah, it's not about you. It's about whose wheelhouse you're in. The other thing that I would add there too is it's not necessarily always about making sure that you have the lowest price either. You want the lowest price for the best results. If you are woefully underinsured for your life insurance or your homeowner's insurance or, or whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter how great your insurance rate was if your roof blows off. So not only review your insurance for, to make sure you've got a good quote unquote deal, but also make sure that you're adequately covered for the for the perils. Number nine in our nine smart money moves to make in 2019, Paula, is get a side hustle in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about side hustling is that you don't get them, you start one. That's a bit of a distinction, right? You get a job, but you start a business. It's so empowering, isn't it, OG, to have this business that's a separate income stream that you don't got to worry about the man? I remember seeing last year at the end of the year, on Twitter and Facebook and some of the financial bloggers and things like that that I follow, celebrating milestones of of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just had my 10,000th web page view or something like that. And it's so important to recognize that when you start your side thing, whatever it is, whether it's passive real estate or investing or you know a, a business that you start, you might not make $10 million the first day. You might make $1.50 and that's just part of the process. And that's really, really, really a fun experience to go from nothing to $5 a week and then $50 a week and so on and so forth. It's, it really opens up a lot of opportunities, obviously for savings and things like that, but more importantly for freedom. I'll link to this in the show notes page at stackybenjamins.com, but I got to tell you, you two brought it so much that I mean, I, I don't see any reason to Ain't go. Ain't nobody going to Fox Business. I, I don't see any. <laughs> I don't see any reason to read this piece. You guys were way, way better than this piece was. Did you have student loans uh, when you had your first job, Paula? No, I did not. No. 
OG, you had your first job. You have uh, student loans at the time? Probably. Yeah. Imagine all those people. Sounds like something I would do. Imagine all those people with uh, their first job out of college struggling to make the payment and how easy we've seen it become when you have automatic withholding, right? The whole opt out for 401ks versus opt in and how successful that's been. What if we did the same thing with student loan repayments? Whether it's a company working on that right now, obviously on the Friday FinTech segment, we don't endorse any of the people we talk to, but we like to learn about these these innovative concepts along with you. So here to join us upstairs talking to mom right now from Gratify, let's say hello to CEO David Chang. And from Gratify walking down the stairs to the basement, our new friend, David Chang. How are you, man? I'm doing well. You know, this basement's a lot cleaner than mine. So uh, you, you've got to be doing doing some good stuff here. Well, you know, we uh, that's that's mom. If you don't keep the basement clean, David, <laughs> mom will not let us keep podcasting. So got to. Uh, well, she's doing she's doing her work. Mind our manners. Well, let's talk about your work, because obviously people need what gratify is in the business of doing, you know, student loan. I don't know if you've seen the headlines, David. There might be a student loan problem in this country. You know, I, I someone just forwarded me an article this morning <laughs> that I, I think it's something we need to take a look at. How was Gratify originally, seriously, how was Gratify originally founded? Was it a, an opportunity that the founders saw in the marketplace or was it their own personal situation? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Four years ago, actually it's coming on five years ago now, uh, the founder came across this problem just part of his day-to-day work. He was working with a handful of Babson students and, and noticed that Unlike when he went to college, the majority of people today are graduating with these massive amounts of debt. And and he was blown away by the amount. And the company started just to solve that problem. Now, you've been with the company for, well, at the time that people hear this, you've been with the company for just less than two months. Tell me what excited you about Gratify and coming on board. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm one of the newest members to join the team, and it, it was really exciting for me. I've spent a lot of my career working at tech-enabled startups, and the last couple of years working really closely with students, both at Harvard and at Babson, and I've seen firsthand how difficult it is for them to pay for school. And so when I came across this opportunity, which happened to be a hop, skip away from my daughter's school... It was a no-brainer for me. I've been working on stuff in the student entrepreneurship space for four years and seeing what students do today. I'm so glad to be able to do something to now help them pay for college. Well, let's tell our listeners, now that we have their thirst up, exactly what you guys do, because I think it's pretty cool, but tell everybody what Gratify does. Yeah, it's pretty simple. So we work with employers to help their employees reduce student loans. And so one example is if you're a recent college graduate and you join a larger company, one of the programs and one of the benefits we set up is a way for the employer to contribute to paying off your college loan. So as an example, $100 a month, the typical college graduate today has over $30,000 worth of debt. And $100 a month is a is a big dent. And so when we work with these employers, we set up this benefit and it's a huge bonus to the employee when they have this paid off by their employer. And, and so we end up working both with the earlier generation as well as folks that are like me that have that are saving up for college. And so we also help companies create a benefit that enables them to contribute to their 529 plans. Oh, that's cool. So if you've got a child and you're working for X employer, now I do like a payroll deductor, the company actually puts money into a 529 plan. 
Yeah, and so we're, we're a tech company that essentially helps employers of all sizes. Uh, we have over 500 companies today, 500 employers today, where we're helping them with one of three things. Either the student that recently graduated and now working for the company, and so we have a product called Student Loan Paydown, and so the company directly pays off part of that loan on a month-by-month basis, and so in addition to the graduate's contribution. We also help that same demographic with just understanding that they've got this big loan that's outstanding. What should they do? Should they refinance? Should they consolidate? There's a huge education piece around that. And so we have a refi product. And then finally, for the for the folks that are maybe you know more seasoned like you and me that uh, that might have some kids, we also help their those employers with people like me to help save up for college. You and I both know, I think, I mean, I think I know why this is important for companies to offer, but you got to get from some of the companies that you guys approach, they get, why, why the heck should I offer this benefit? Why is this a big deal? Do you, number one, do you hear that a lot? And then number two, whether you hear that or not, what would you tell a company that doesn't quite get it? Yeah. So we're in the early days of this market. We estimate probably about 4% of companies offer this. It's a relatively new thing. The ability to pay down student loans or this benefit for the millennials is a little bit like a 401k for folks that are a little bit older. Yeah. Right? The typical college graduate today kind of doesn't really care about the 401k match because it's so far away for them. But this is something that's top of mind. And so when we talk to employers, especially the leading ones where a number of their employees are information economy workers, where if the employee walks out of the door, you kind of have no assets left in the company. And so for those kinds of companies, they very much view this as a benefit that enables them to attract new employees as well as retain people to stay longer. Uh, a handful of the companies that we work with have this program that increases the amount that gets paid off per month the longer that you stay. And so it's, ah. it's, a, it's a great retention tool for folks as well. It's almost set up like then like a pension plan with, I mean, almost a vesting schedule type thing going on. I mean, I know it's not exactly, but is that yeah. kind of what you're looking at? Yeah, it, it depends on the employer. So some okay. very much view it as a, just the sheer fact that you went to school, you took out this big loan, and now you're working with me that um, this should be a benefit that you get just like healthcare, right? And so for them, they don't view this as a, as a, the longer you stay, the more you get. It's just a, it's, it's more of a, an incentive for you to come in the first place. And they're very happy to, to attract people that way. For others, they have, depending on the seniority, depending on how long you've been there, uh, they absolutely do have this graduated plan where the longer you stay, the more benefit that you get. And that does have that vesting, uh, vesting like feel, yeah, to, feel it. to it. Do, do you see any companies do it like a match? If you put X amount of money toward your student loans, will match X percentage like a 401k would, or is that not a thing? We do. We actually, uh, just yesterday I was talking to a new prospect and that's exactly what they asked is, is uh, how a match would work. And so there's, we go into these employers and try to figure out what works best for them. And so we design this plan. Sometimes it's around just education refinancing. Sometimes it's targeting millennials to help them pay off those loans. And other times it's saving up for college. And so there's a pretty wide audience of employer employee that benefits from this sort of product. And so when we talk to employers, you know, we try to figure out what works best for them. Gotcha. Now, when it comes to student loans, let's say that $100 comes out to go to the student loan. I'm assuming that $100 gets paid. How, how do you guys make money? Or is it $99 gets paid and a dollar goes to gratify? Yeah, no, we do everything for free. No, just kidding. Right, um, right. we, we do. No, we're in the business of making money as well. So 
the way that we work with these employers, it's essentially a subscription model. So for every active employee that is on the platform, whether it's the pay down or the save up, we take a couple dollars a month. I see. And, and that essentially covers the effort to move the money, to, to administer the plan. In the cases where we're driving education and the consumer or the employee then gets their loan consolidated refinance. We have a bunch of partners that we work with. And when we drive leads that way, uh, you know, we take a small cut of that. Gotcha. And so I'd imagine then 529 plans, you have a stable of 529 plans that you work with. That's right. So by state, so we're not in that business. We're more of the enabler. And so gotcha. if you're an employee, any state in, in the country, you can set up and you can connect your existing 529 plan. Well, the cool thing from where I sit, David, is that it's far easier. You know, I'm thinking about a company being able to do this, offer this on their own without you. And I don't think there's any way they'd be able to do it. I mean, you are, you've already got all the pieces together and know how to connect them. So for me doing it without a company like Gratify be incredibly difficult. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of messy stuff underneath the covers that, frankly, is not the core business that most of our employers are in. So, you know, we're very much a partner to these employers and, um, and we're excited about what we're doing with them. Now, if I've got somebody listening, and I'm sure we have many listening that are in HR or they own their company or whatever it might be, they're in a position of power, David. How do they find out more? Yeah. Yeah. So come to gratify.com to find out more. If you are the owner of a company or if you're an HR person at a larger company, we'd love to work with you to try to figure out how to best help you and any employees that you may have. The nice thing about what we're doing is we're working with over 500 employers and that ranges from the really big ones to uh, to the individual ones with one or two employees. And so the nice thing is that we're helping a really broad audience of people. Yeah. And then if you're not in HR, I mean, I think this is a type of benefit where I go talk to my HR and say, hey, is there a way to maybe help me pay down some of my student loans so I can concentrate on work? Yeah, please do. I, <laughs> I, I love that. In fact, that happens quite a bit. Like I'll bump into someone in the street and they'll ask me what I do. And they're like, oh, cool. Can I get that benefit? And and the way to do so is just absolutely you, you let your people officer know or the chief HR uh, officer know. And the great thing is that because it's such a prevalent problem, if you are asking them, it's likely that other people in the company will also want the benefit. And so if anything, you're helping other people by doing so. And so it's it's um, it's a great thing to do. Yeah, we talk about that all the time with 401ks. Like if your 401k stinks, you might not be the person in charge, but you can certainly make it known and and have other employees around you make it known that you want to change that. I think to change any benefit at a company, you got to you got to stir the pot a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the thing that is even more pressing in this case is that in many cases, the HR person, because they're in a different generation, they're not actually aware of how big of a problem yeah. that this is today. And so Good when point. I graduated from college, you know, most people the level of debt wasn't the level that it is at today. And so with today, seven out of 10 graduating with debt, many of the folks that are in HR or a little more senior in their careers, they don't have a really good sense of like how big of a problem it is. But when you walk into a room of 20 plus year old employees, you know, seven out of 10 of them have this, have this overhang of debt like that. That's something that you can really do to help. We do these stories all the time. I mean, we see study after study that shows millennials not investing because they're so worried about their student loans and their student loans consuming everything. And they're worried if I invest money on top of that, then I won't have anything left to, to live on. So yeah, Joe, you, you, you got it. it. It's a cascading effect, right? Yeah. So if you're so focused on just paying off this loan, you delay buying a house, you delay saving up, you delay putting in your 401k and that time you never get back. And 
And so anything that we can do from the gratify side to work with an employer to help that employee do that, it's putting a big dent in the, in the market and helping out that entire audience. You're actually much closer, David, to this than I am. I, I'm, I'm just curious. Do you think we're going to see any reform? I mean, there's a lot of people talking about how student debt in the United States is just a ticking time bomb. Do you think we will see legislation in the future? Yeah, that's another topic that we're very much on top of. And um, I, I kind of feel like maybe you're in my basement like, <laughs> because because that's 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 one of the things that we do. We do talk about. We do actively work with legislators to try to figure out how to solve that problem. There is a bill that's in the works. And given that um, Congress right now is not in the best of conditions, I haven't I think, heard that. Uh, given what, all the, what are you, no, what are you talking it's, about? It's a, yeah, this strange thing where it's uh, there's some contention out there, but. But this is one of the things that both sides of the aisle actually agree quite a bit on. And so if we can get past this, uh, the battling that's happening right now, I think that this is one of the bills that really should pass. And and it makes sense because it's, in essence, it's putting it on par with tuition reimbursement. So whether you're going to reimburse an employee for taking course right now or reimburse them, in essence, for something that they've a debt that they've incurred in the past, those two things are really similar. And so I think it's the legislation that we hope that will pass and we've been actively driving should put that on equal footing and should really open up the market as well. The company is called Gratify. If you're walking the dog out for your morning run or you're on your commute, we've got you covered. Head to our show notes at stackybenjamins.com and we'll share our links to David and to Gratify. David Chang, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes, man. No, it's great to be here. Hey there, budding Benjamin Stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to today's most amazing part of this podcast, my trivia. Normally right now, I'd already be knee deep in some inspiring or laugh your butt off trivia because I'm probably the world's best delivery boy for positivity and creativity. But today is no normal trivia day, people. Oh, no. Today marks a dark day in the world of finance because it was just 10 short years ago that Bernie Madoff was arrested for operating the largest Fonzie scheme in history. Wait, what? It wasn't named after Fonzie from Happy Days. Really? Ponzi? Okay. Ponzi scheme. He operated the largest Ponzi scheme in history. Anyway, before the authorities caught up to Madoff, he had ripped off 4,800 clients. Man, that's impressive. Here's your trivia question. Based on the amounts of people thought they had in their financial accounts at the time, what amount of money did Bernie Madoff rip off of his clients? Better yet, let's give our guessers a hint. Collectively, Madoff clients had invested $19 billion. With that information in hand, how much did Madoff tell them they had on paper when they found out they'd been scammed? I'll be back with your answer right after this. This is not not a great day in history. It doesn't seem like it was 10 years ago, does it? No, that doesn't seem like it was 10 years ago at all. No, it's absolutely horrible time. OG, there's been some recent stuff on this. Yeah, I was going to say a couple of three, four weeks ago, I saw an update from the trustee who's settling all of this. Part of the problem was this huge amount of money, which we'll get to and trying to guess how much it was. But he made off with all the money, made off, made off with all the money. Right. But he bought stuff with it and had some assets. Anyways, what they're saying is that everybody's going to be made whole. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So the article said, is it really a Ponzi scheme then? 
Well, which is hmm. kind of an interesting theory. Then, if you think about it, like, I mean, it is obviously, but should he be in jail for eighty years if you suffered no wrongdoing in but, the grand scheme? Of but things? how many years did it take everybody to get their money back? I mean, you ten, lost ten. Uh, ten. I got that one. It's ten. <laughs> <laughs> you lost but X number of years of your life, or you couldn't article. do stuff. I, I'm, that is, I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's going to be. You know, everybody's going to be exactly even money. But when you hear of Ponzi schemes, you hear of you know, I lost all of it. And, and I think a lo- most people are going to get a vast majority of it back, not without 10 years of angst and whatever, but we're going to, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit on how we record our shows, because even though this is the second podcast for our Friday fun, uh, on the calendar, we had the eight ball last Friday. Mm-hmm. This is actually the first one we're recording for 2019, which means it's a fresh slate. And, uh, We've got a brand new zero 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 ball game, which I think well, I can means tell you Len's going to lose. Does it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Len. You, no, I mean, he's going to lose this week. He's going to lose yeah. this week, right? One of the two of you. So uh, we flipped a coin backstage, and uh, that means that ladies get to choose first. So All right, well, uh, I choose to go second. Huh? That's weird. <laughs> so, oh, gee, nineteen billion was the amount people invested. The amount they said they had on paper. When they're made whole, I'm sure it's got to be the amount they invested that they're whole. There's no way it's the amount he said they had on paper. Yeah, I, I didn't read the article in, in its entirety, but yeah, I'm sure it's the, I don't know. I, I don't remember. It was a month ago. Uh, so the question is, is how much money, you know, when you added up the 4,800 people's statements, how much did they think that they had? Is yes. That the question? Yes. I think that the number is, 50 billion. 50 billion. So from 19 to 50, Mr. Madoff took them. And Paula, how about you? What was the stat about 19 billion? It was that they. That's the amount that they'd invested with Bernie. So the amount that that's their principal. Bernie supposedly made the money on top of that, that he showed them on paper, which obviously didn't end up being true. What's the amount they thought they lost? Ooh, okay. So. Initial principal is nineteen billion. I'm going to guess you said fifty and closest without going over. Oh, yeah. So I'm gonna go with uh what? <laughs> what? I'm not gonna say it. I'll I'll go with uh fifty-five. Oh, that is so nice of you. <laughs> I was sure you were going 51. I just saw the hammer coming down. <laughs> Paula pulled back a little bit on the hammer. But seriously, why higher than 50? Because 50 would only be two and a half Xing their money. And I feel like he probably made some bigger promises than that. He's he made t- at least 2.2. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that big extra 5 billion made all the difference. I thought I'd share with you a little bit more about Skillshare. By the way, thanks to Skillshare for supporting Stacking Benjamins. If you don't know what Skillshare is, it's an online learning community for creators like you or me, no matter what you create. More than 25,000 classes in design, business, financial planning, as an example, and more. You'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity in your career. Take classes, if you're like me, in things like social media marketing, mobile photography, that's what I'm doing right now, creative writing illustration, uh, finance. In fact, let's pull up the financial planning classes while I'm here. So I'm at my Skillshare page. 
I'm going to put in finance and I've got the core four of personal finance for beginners and then core four of personal finance advanced tells me that the first lesson is going to be an hour and 21 minutes. And then the advanced session is another hour and 11 minutes about the length of a Stacky Benjamins podcast episode. Uh, Debt 101, a 55 minute lesson, personal finance umbrella, how to keep yourself dry for the rainy days, behavioral finance, debt financing, business financing for solopreneurs, travel hacking, even crazy advanced stuff like option trading. It's all there. And of course, that's not the only area. Management, freelancing, entrepreneurship, business analytics, graphic design, illustration, music production, animation, data sciences, product management, mobile development, tons of different classes. So whatever your New Year's goal, they'll have it at Skillshare. I mentioned I'm in the middle of this DSLR class. Let me give you an idea of this one because it's a series of videos community projects. I can put things on my calendar. I can share what I'm doing with other people. By the way, 29,000 people taking this class right now at the same time. But after the introduction, they go into understanding your DSLR and then balancing what they call the exposure triangle, preparing to shoot the things to do before you shoot, then a studio demonstration of putting all of the things we've learned so far into play and then a deep dive on shutter speed to dive more into that, then a deep dive onto aperture and a deep dive onto ISO. And then they go into editing, tips and tricks on how to edit and then final thoughts. And then there's actually a bonus lesson from Justin. By the way, this class is taught by Justin Bridges, who's a fashion and portrait photographer in New York City. His photos have shown up in GQ, Details, Esquire, and he's done fashion shoots for Giorgio Armani, uh, Public School New York, The Arrivals. Alternative Apparel, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue, Bloomingdale's, Barney's New York, Amazon, Carson Street, Clothiers, tons of places. Guy knows his stuff. And you know what's cool? He's also incredibly entertaining. So as a bonus episode at the end, he talks about buying cameras and lenses, something I think that will be next on my list, maybe my Father's Day list, will be some new camera stuff to go along with my newfound skill. So if you want to join millions of students already learning on Skillshare, use our offer just for Stacky Benjamin's stackers. Two months of Skillshare for free. Skillshare's offering Stacky Benjamin's listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, head to Skillshare.com slash SB. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash SB. To start your two months now, Skillshare.com slash SB. So our numbers before we get back to Doug, uh, OG, you've got 50 billion. Feeling pretty confident that it's between 50 and 55? Well, not anymore. (laughs) Paula? I'm feeling pretty confident that it's over 55. Well, Doug, uh, take it from here. What do you think? Welcome back, Trivia Masters. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. While these two know-it-alls were out there deliberating, I was busy looking up more information on Madoff. And do you know when he's scheduled to be released from prison? It's pretty much tomorrow, November 14th, 2139. So, got that to look forward to. Anyway, here was today's trivia question. Based on the amounts he told them their accounts had grown, how much money did Bernie Madoff's clients think he'd rip them off? The answer... $1.5 
While actual losses clocked in at $19 billion, Bernie's clients saw a loss of almost $65 billion disappear from their investments, plus phantom gains when the house of cards came crashing down. And that, folks, is why I still keep my spare cash under the mattress. Uh, wait, I, I keep it under the front seat of my El Camino. Yeah, that's a, um, wait, wait, no, I got some of it in the backyard, too. Okay, I'm just going to stop talking. Forget all that. I didn't say any of that. See ya! Not a good idea to say where you've hidden your money. But Paula gets off to an early 2019 lead. Congratulations. Woo-hoo. This is the year. This is going to be the year. Well, and you know, we play for that big prize. Oh, yeah. A, a high five. Yes. It's going to be two times the prize we had last year. A high 10, I guess. Yeah. Well, I did I did look up the article, by the way, while we were uh, waiting for Doug to recite his uh, soliloquy there. And yeah, you're correct. They're getting close to recovering 19. the original deposit amount. They said that they're at about $13 billion right now, and there's more to come. Wow. Wow. You know, pocket change to a guy like you, I know, but, uh, but for the rest of us investors in Madoff, that's nice to get a check from time to time. Hey, guys, let's take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to you courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney, you find that those financial products you use every day They're nowhere near best in class. Over 92% of the products available online are all ranked at magnifymoney.com. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney for more. And today we're going to put Ryan's letter under the magnifying glass. Ryan says, I'm in my third year of college. I'll be starting a full-time job in biomedical engineering at a mature startup upon graduation. About $48,000 starting out. After saving my six-month emergency fund, I plan to continue to live a college-like frugal lifestyle and pay off my student loans, $23,000 in 18 months. I've worked out what my budget will be, and it's attainable. I've been discussing both personal finance and paying off student loans with some friends, and a few people have mentioned it may be more advantageous to put that money into my Roth IRA rather than paying off student loans, a, quote, good debt, around 4% interest. What are your thoughts? Should I go for the minimum payment, max out my Roth while time's on my side and my quote last double will come a little sooner when I'm getting closer to retirement? Thanks for all the commentary and not teaching me anything. Best Ryan. Paula, we talk about the last double a lot here on this program. Are you familiar with that terminology? No, I don't listen to this show. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly what I thought. That's good. Uh, the, uh, and the other listener doesn't listen that hard either. But you know, you've got the rule of 72 where your money doubles. And so it's not about the short term, but the quicker that you start investing, the more time you have for that last double going from a million to 2 million or half a million to a million or 250 to 500 or whatever it might be. You Mm -hmm. know, you want that last big double to happen as quickly as possible. So he's talking about, should I make that last double more quickly by starting earlier? What do you think? Here is what I think. So he's talking about paying off $23,000 in 18 months which means that on average, he would be saving $1,277 a month, just shy of $1,300 a month, right? So the contribution to an IRA maxes out at $6,000 per year. So if he contributes $1,277 a month, that means that in a little over four months, four and a half months, he will max out his IRA, which means he can spend the first four and a half months of the year maxing out an IRA and the remaining seven months of the year, eight months of the year, 
paying off his student loans. But then he's got the, that takes him to 24 months out that he pays it off, right? The six months that he's putting money in the Roth IRA, which means he's a year in, which means there's another $6,000 contribution this year that pushes him out to 30 months instead of 18. Wait, no. So he would four months out of the year times two years. So that's eight months. So instead of paying it off in 18 months, he would pay it off in. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. It's four months, not six. Right. Yeah. So that's 22. So instead of paying it off in 18 months, he would end up paying 26. it off in 18. Yeah. 26 months. Yeah. Oh, gee, you like that strategy? I love it. And the other thing that I would add is why not, if you're making 48 grand a year and you're going to live a college lifestyle, why not pay it all off in one year? And then by the time you get to the 12 month mark, it should be paid off. And then you could take the next four months to fill up last year's Roth and take the next four months to fill up this year's Roth and be done with it. I think you're being too soft on your goals here, Ryan. Step up to the plate, dog. Biomedical engineering, 50 grand a year and you can't squirrel away 23 grand in a year. (laughs) Bull honky. (laughs) I didn't know we replaced OG with Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) <laughs> no, I like the 18 month goal because you figure, okay, I get done with school maybe in May. And by the time I start my job, it's June or July. And I'd like to be done by the following Christmas. My challenge to Ryan would be be done within a year. And if the first four months of that, Paula, like you said, if you want to do a little bit of your cash savings and Roth savings at the same time, and then start on the uh, start on the student loans thereafter, no problem. Your buddies are going to be paying their student loans for the next 400 years if they do the, I'm going to pay the minimum payment because it's good debt, whatever the hell that is. So still paid off really fast, but if it takes you 20 months instead of 18 or whatever. So, you know, you know, Paula, we, I mean, I was just joking with OG, but this idea, seriously, if he's going to, if he's going to be frugal college lifestyle, what, like why not push yourself to do the really hardcore thing and just get it done? Yeah. Yeah. There's absolutely something to be said for that. So if I were to take that strategy of like, really go college lifestyle, really live as cheaply as you can and uh, try to get this done as fast as possible. Then what I would do, assuming that you're graduating in May and you start your work in June or July, I would still max out the Roth first, given that that's based on calendar year. And yes, you have until the tax filing deadline of the following year. So April 15th of the following year to make contributions to the previous year. So That gives you, if you start your job in June or July, it gives you a little under a year to be able to max out your contributions for that year. But just get it done first. That way you know your Roth for that year is taken care of. Because the thing about your Roth eligibility is, in terms of contributions per year, is it's use it or lose it. Yeah. If you don't make contributions in 2019, you can't roll over that missing amount to the following year. Right. You if you miss the window of opportunity for 2019, it's gone. Here's what you do, Ryan. I'm going to supersize that even more when you get done doing OG's hardcore thing and actually pay it off in like seven months or eight months. Quit that. How much is he making at that job? Like 48 grand. Quit that job making 48 grand. Start a blog where you brag about how you paid it off so quickly. Tell tell everybody, (laughs) work 50 hours a week on the blog telling everybody now you're retired and you don't have any student debt. (laughs) It's exactly what you do. You made it. You made it. Yes. Oh boy. Wait, wait, Ryan, I do want to actually throw in something else. And it kind of goes to what Joe is saying, which is that your income in the future is likely to be higher than your 
$48,000 that you're making right out of college. You've got a job in biomedical engineering, not underwater basket weaving. That's a high demand industry that often gets in which people often get high salaries. So you are most likely in the lowest tax bracket that you will ever be in, assuming that you don't do the early retirement thing. And even if you do, most people who do the early retirement thing end up working and making oftentimes more money in their retirement than they did in their career because the type of people who quote unquote retire early are the type of people who are ambitious enough to then go cash up in their next project. Thanks for the question, Ryan. And I apologize. I couldn't help it. I love poking my blogger friends a little bit. <laughs> Do it, man. If you've, if you've got a question for the show, head to uh, stackybenjamins.com. Ryan, unfortunately, isn't taking home a t-shirt because he didn't call the Magnify Money line, but uh, stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. If you'd like the greatest show on earth, uh, money, Stacky Benjamins money t-shirt, if I can actually get those words out. That's going to do it for today, guys. OG. What do you got going on the rest of January besides hanging out with Paula and Len and I? Well, very nice of you to say. Next week, I get on an aeroplane and we get to go to uh, the Caymans and we're going to... uh, I feel so uh, bad for you. I know. It's going to be really tough. It's this big food and wine festival there, which is going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. It's our first time going. Latter part of uh, January, I get to go to Los Angeles for a couple of quick days and then... um, you know, real, real uh, charmed life I live. Now by Caymans, is that Caymans, New Jersey? Is that what that is? Yep. It's exactly where we're going. Well, I don't know where that is, but yep. <laughs> I heard it's beautiful in January. Yeah. It's, it sounds any, awesome. Any, New Jersey's beautiful every time of the year. <laughs> All year long. All year long. Paula, what's happening at Afford Anything this month? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have an interview with Chris Hogan. Who? Who wrote the book. I know, right? So, in fact, I interviewed him twice. So on the Afford Anything podcast, you're going to hear not one, but two interviews with him on the same episode. So that episode just aired. And we will soon, if you subscribe to the Afford Anything podcast, you will hear a very, very heartfelt interview with a woman by the name of Paulette Perhatch. I won't give away her story, but it's... uh, it speaks to the emotional impact of managing your money and your life. We just had, obviously, Paulette on the roundtable uh, here with you this month. Were you on that uh, episode, yes. Paula? You were on that episode. She, she, yes. Yeah. Making the rounds. Yes. Fantastic. Well, yours sounds a little more serious. We had a lot of fun with Paulette, and she's crazy fun. Just, and we mean that in a great way. She's awesome. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Guys, let's uh, send it over to Doug. Doug, what should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Paula and OG about great money moves this year. I hope you were writing those down. Second, worried about your student loans? Ask your employer if they plan on working with a company like Gratify. By making your student loan payments easier, it might help the burden, at least slightly. But the big lesson... Do not broadcast the location of your money stash on air. My sizzler money has vanished. Oh, gee, I'm pretty damn sure it was you too, by the way. Oh, wait, what's this in my shirt pocket? Okay, never mind. Sorry, buddy. You're off the hook, man. Special thanks to David Chang. Find out more on Gratify at gratify.com. That's G-R-A-D-I-F-I.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com. 
This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just jumped the shark. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Okay, I've sat here trying to think of something pleasant to say after that, and I can't. Welcome to the after show, the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens here stays here. I love, by the way, last month, somebody in the basement said something about, oh, I love that thing that you did in the, in uh, the after show. And immediately somebody has this fight club meme says, like everybody in the basement went after them. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I love it. How we now have like our henchmen who will take off your kneecaps in our, (laughs) in our Facebook group. But I thought that an interesting thing here for the new year is we just got through the biggest party season of the year. I generally think of it starting at Halloween and then going through New Year's, that whole fourth quarter. What's a holiday in 2019 that's kind of your own holiday? I don't want you to talk about your birthday. Let's not talk about that. That's an obvious one. But what's something that you're going to find yourself celebrating that's kind of unique to you? Got any fun holidays, Paula? Mm, the anniversary of my blog and the anniversary of my podcast. How do you celebrate so, that? Oh, I don't, I guess I don't other than I notice it. <laughs> I guess I don't. That's, this is, this is compelling radio. <laughs> I celebrate it by saying something really boring on somebody else's podcast. <laughs> By tanking the Stacky Benjamins podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, what am I supposed to say? I pop a bottle of champagne and bust out the chocolate and the gummy worms. But no, I I actually don't. OG, you? A holiday I celebrate. I'm a real big fan of March Madness. Yeah. And do my darndest to completely be off the radar for that first opening weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I like it a ton and I would, and I think I would like being in Las Vegas during it. No, my but word. I understand it's chaos. And so some of me, part of me is like, Oh, that would be super fun. And then the other part is like, I don't like people that much. So, you know, if there's like a private area that I could go where I could like watch everybody celebrating from where I didn't have to actually 
be around everyone else, that would probably be more fun for me. So like if you know like a sweet owner at the MGM or something, <laughs> yeah, pa- somebody to party with, I'm actually quite a compelling uh, party guest. But uh, but no, I think I think that's 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 a fun time for us around here. Once we get into the spring, uh, the kids have all their spring stuff like spring sports and those are kind of fun. And they get, my kids get out of school early in May. So we start kind of our summer vacation long before most people do. But my after school activity is really a year round thing now. And, uh, and I have a ton of fun picking that up right after the Super Bowl. It's funny too, for me, March Madness is one of mine. Did you know when we when, when I was a financial planner, what I do around March Madness I would have people would I'm imagining it involves going to the bar, watching basketball and eating wings and having adult pops. I would and I would have clients bring friends. And so it was a way to meet people. You'd see me at my worst, like throwing <laughs> tickets. You're like, I had Gonzaga by 15. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Probably not. Oh, no. not that part. Okay, sorry. No, but it was a way I would tell people, you know, the way you got uh, new clients when you're financial planners, you know, is often through referrals. And, um, and I tell people, I'm or like, podcast, hey, but okay. Yeah. Or podcast. Don't feel compelled to bring somebody, but if you got somebody who wants to meet me and they don't want, you know, cause I don't want to talk about financial planning, but this, they just want to meet me, know who I am, know a little bit about me. This is a great opportunity for us to just kind of sit and get to know each other with potential new clients. And I always ended up with some new clients and man, that was fun. I just get a set of tables and we'd have like 20 clients, uh, at a time, just people coming and going throughout March madness, uh, through that either first, usually the Friday of the first weekend. So for any financial planners out there, there's, a, there's Joe's marketing tip for the day. Marketing pa- tip of the day. Paula, glad you had a good one. Thank you. Thanks for bringing <laughs> it. Thanks for All playing. Right. Well then let me, let me come up with something better. Some other holiday that I celebrate that is not as boring as a blog birthday for which I do nothing. <laughs> I would love it right now. If Paula said like, I celebrate the beginning of the new NASCAR season. Like <laughs> that would be the one that would totally get me. Uh, no, no, I can't say that I do that. She Let's slams see. the beers like Stone Cold Steve Austin style, <laughs> like shakes them up, <laughs> like slams them. You're like, whoa, who is this person? Yes. Like it's NASCAR season, baby. Woo! Paul is the new Ricky Bobby. Uh, wait, okay. I can't say my own birthday, but Meghan Markle is going to give birth this year. Can that be a holiday? <laughs> that will be. That will Might totally be, be your holiday, and <laughs> you will go out and celebrate. You will. That's a good one. I will celebrate by skipping out on work and just binging on articles and photos of the uh, Meghan Markle, Prince Harry baby. Oh no, no, no! I know you. You're getting friends out. You're going out partying. It'll be yes. You'll get in that. <laughs> you'll get in that camper. Get crazy. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like, hook up the camper to the gas guzzler. That's right. <laughs> what could celebrate British royalty better than that? Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members 
and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.